been uh, I've been on a series. It seems like, uh, well, really, since the first of the year, took a little break during the first part of the Corona outbreak, the COVID nineteen outbreak, and took four or five weeks there and shared on different thoughts and subjects. But we're back to and uh, God dealt with me as I've mentioned. Uh, the end of December to talk about prayer. How many know you'll be at a disadvantage if you don't know how to pray? And that, that's across the board. We are entering into the time, it looks as though the prophets that we're excited about, the time before the second coming of Christ. Now, every generation in the church age, almost 2,000 years, have believed that they are the generation that would see the return of Jesus. And, you know, uh, that's a good thing, and I, God won't let us know exactly when it is because it urges us to obedience. It urges us to purify our lives. It urges us to walk with God, to think that Jesus could come back in our lifetime. Is that true? So it really does look like if I, I'm, I'm going through a study on the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, uh, usually the second and third Wednesday, and I, I did it for weeks and weeks in a row during the COVID-19 thing when we were not here. But nonetheless, uh, if you know anything about the Bible and what Jesus said and what the prophets said the uh, world would look like before Jesus comes back, it looks like we're in the time. And so, uh, wow, what a time. It's an exciting time. It's a challenging time uh, uh, worldwide, really. And uh, one thing that you can uh, look for and look at, there's so many things I could say, and I've got to be careful because I want to get to my get to my message here. But let me just say that uh, there's so much going on in the Middle East right now. And uh, this COVID-19 thing, did it have anything to do with end times? I don't know specifically that it did. But I've, I've said it and I've heard others say it. Almost the exact words that I got, God gave me seems like it's a dry run. And you know how you respond to crisis is an important thing. And how many know we first of all need to respond to God when things go awry? How many hear me? And, 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 you know, I'll talk about it in my message today. I mean, I found out how, uh, how much I need the Lord in this. And, and, you know, it's, it's made me extremely uncomfortable. It's made me angry, um, uh, just in all kinds of ways. And, uh, and I've had to deal with me and it showed me that I really need to get ready. If something like similar like that was to happen in the future and it would affect the whole world, I need to be prepared. I need to be ready and I need to trust God, period. Whether I like what's happening or not, whether I can do something about it or not, when you're entering into a phase of time that it just may be that 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 you're not going to be able to do anything about some things that occur because they've been prophesied by the prophets 2,500 years ago that these things would happen, and 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus and John on the Isle of Patmos. These things are going to happen, but we can be ready. And if you know how to pray, how many know you're going to be okay? So anyway, I'll maybe uh, uh, talk about that in a more detailed way uh, in the future. But let's get to this. I've been talking about prayer. Prayer is your place of safety in 2020, and this is uh, lesson actually number 14. Everything's on our website. My notes are at victorychurchraleigh.com. If you're new, if you're watching online, you're in the room here, and you're new, you can go and just kind of follow me. I don't usually say everything in my notes, but my notes are available. If you go to our website, you'll see clearly today's notes. Click on that, and there they are, and uh, we do that for your benefit. But we've uh, just talked about prayer and, and lots of different... We've talked about Jesus' prayer life, the importance of praying in detail. We've took three Sundays and talked about the why behind prayer and then we actually had uh, uh, eight or nine lessons where we uh, looked at uh, eight different kinds of prayer that I could see that are mentioned in the Bible we've talked about the prayer of faith 
which is a prayer primarily for yourself. And i got a different nuance of that that I want to look at today. We talked about the prayer of consecration, where you literally relinquish personal control of your life to the Lord. And let me say, that's a hard thing for believers in America to do. We want to be in charge of us. and We're very independent-minded people. When you come to Jesus, you lay your right to independence down at His feet. That goes over big when I say it. Then we talked about the prayer of supplication. That's a prayer for others where you beg a favor on behalf of someone else. The prayer of intercession where you take another's place. The prayer of agreement uh, when your faith needs a boost and someone else comes and, and shores up your faith, so to speak. We've talked about the prayer of worship. We've talked about united praying. And then we took two uh, Sundays and talked about praying in the Spirit in quite a, a bit of detail. And today, I want to change the subject a little bit and go back to our personal prayer life. You know, if you're going to be effective and successful in life and, uh, and be able to navigate the challenges that life brings, you got to know how to pray. And, you know, the biggest thing is know that you can make a connection with God. I have been, in all my years of living, been in some pretty tight and tough spots that I never knew I was getting into, didn't mean to get into. Some of them are here. Some of them are on the mission field. I've been, you know, in different places of the world. I've been, we've got 12 churches in Africa. <coughs> I've been all over India, been to Europe, uh, Russia. And I've been in some situations that, how did I get here? And thank God I knew how to pray. And the most important thing you're going to find in your now and in your future is that regardless of what comes in life, you're able to make connection with the Lord and know that He hears you and know that you and your family are going to be okay. How many hear me? So let's talk about that. There are some hindrances to prayer. The premise is that God answers prayer. And back when I came to the Lord, just before I was 18 years old, almost 18, you know, I was raised in a denominational church and, and you know, I didn't know that God would answer prayer. I thought sometimes God does and sometimes God doesn't. And I always heard God, sometimes God says yes and sometimes God says no. And then sometimes God just doesn't say. So, so for me as a little boy growing up, it's like, how do I know that God's going to, how do I know if I pray that, what's the use to pray if, if I never know if I'm going to get an answer or not? So the premise of the New Testament is God's promise to answer prayer. Now that was revelation to me as a young man, and I've taken that throughout the duration of my adult life. And this year, again, as I said, it'll be 44 years. But just listen, I'm going to go through this really quickly. It's in the notes. I mean, I actually, I actually take these scriptures and meditate on them. That is, I roll them over and over and over in my thinking. And often when I go before God, I'll say, Lord, can at some point during during the day, often it's in the morning when I spend my time with the Lord. I say, Lord, thank you for your promises that you hear me and that you answer me. And, and he knows it, but I do it for me. And so I say, Lord, I know you know this, but I'm doing this for me. And, and I'll just mention this scripture out loud to him. Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Is that positive? Yeah. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. John 15, 7. Jesus said to his disciples, and that's us too, if you abide in me, that means you remain in me and my words remain in you. Ask what you desire. Now, that's a big challenge. Ask what you desire. And it'll be done for you. Wow, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thing. John 16, 23 and 24, Jesus said to his disciples, pre-cross, just before he went to the cross, in that day, that is the church age, after I go to the cross, after I'm raised from the dead, after I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, in that day, you will ask me nothing. That is, you'll not pray directly to me. How many know that Jesus is our advocate? He's our mediator. He's our attorney. 
And He makes sure that we make contact with God. We go to God through Christ. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I get God's ear. Because Jesus took my place, right? So that's what He's saying. In that day you'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now you've not asked anything in my name. And the disciples hadn't prayed in, in Jesus' name prior to then. He said, he said, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What else can you get out of that other than God's promise to answer our personal prayers? And you know, for me, I had to etch this in me. I had, you know, here's the thing. When you come to the Lord, there is religious indoctrination that you've got to I mean, you've got to somehow root it out of your life. Anybody had the same issues I've had? I was raised in a church, and I went to church three times a week. My parents made me. And sometimes if we had revival meetings, it was every night of the week, including Saturday. And I'd sit there on the pew. And, you know, but I was so religiously indoctrinated with things. When I read the Word, and it really meant something to me, I thought, well, and I had all this religious thinking that I had to get rid of, and, and it was trying to cancel my faith particularly here in answered prayer. When I found out God promised to answer, it's like, man, that's, that's a new concept for me. I had to root this other stuff out. First John 3, 22, whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Whatever we ask. That's, that's, that's pretty broad, isn't it? Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do those things pleasing in His sight. And then First John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we've asked of Him. The qualifier there is, if we ask anything according to His will. And somebody said, well, how can you ever know the will of God? There's the will of God right there. If I ask according to His word, that I'm asking right. Yes or no? So that's the premise is that God has promised to answer prayer and, uh, you know, if you're praying, you don't get personal results. And I have to do this in my life. You go through a season and it just seems like, you know, the, the answer's being delayed. Something's not going on. You're asking for something that looks like it's not happening. Find out why. Find out what it is. And I start searching. First thing I do is search myself. We're going to talk about seven hindrances here to answered prayer. But sometimes if you're not getting results, just don't take it. Well, God must not want to hear. No, no, he promised to answer. So find out what's going on. Is the hindrance Satan trying to keep it from happening? Or, 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 or is God just wanting you to having done all to stand, stand there for and stand in faith and act like you got it before it looks like you've got it? Or is there something in your personal life that's hindering that? I always do that. So, you know, by nature, I'm a problem solver. Now, that's good and bad. That's good in my position. It's bad, for instance, with me and Susan. She, I, I, I talk about this all the time. I try to solve her problems, and I don't need to do that. All I need to do is be an ear and listen, right? You know, so uh, anyway, I'm a problem solver by nature. And, and, and you know, that's the way it is with the Lord. You got to find out what's wrong, and, and then you got to tune in. Now, you know, I'm kind of a geeky person. I, I took electronics in high school, was going to be an. Uh, uh, I was in the field of electronics, an electronics engineer. Went to, I started going to college for that. But uh, I like that area. So I got a little shortwave radio I bought. And, uh, and it's got a sideband on it. Sideband, now shortwave you can find on the internet. But sideband's a little bit different as I understand. And, and it, it's kind of in between. And, and, and you can find things from all the people talking from all over the world. I can't give you all the details, but I can just say that you can tune in 
and to tune in, you got a, you got a hundred negative, a hundred positive steps you can go. And you can hear a noise and it sounds like a chirp. But as you turn it positive, sometimes 20, 25 steps, you can, oh, there's a voice. And you can hear. And see, that's the way, that's the way answered prayer is. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta tune in to find out what's going on and what you're not doing, what needs to be adjusted. How many, how many understand? Or the old car radios that had the knob, you know, on the right, and you turn it to a, a, a station, you know, you're in the country and you gotta find one, and you find one and you got, it dates you if you understand what I'm saying. And you finally tune in and finally find it, you know. Well, that's the way it is. That's what I think about when I think about you know, finding the hindrances to answered prayer. You just need to find out what it is. So here are seven, and I'm just going to maybe get through three today uh, because we took some extra time, which I think was good. Uh, but the first one is selfish purposes in prayer. How many know if you're a selfish person, it'll hinder your prayer life? Now, James, he's the practical half-brother of Jesus. Actually, his name was Jacob. They should have named that verse, that book of the Bible, Jacob. That was his name. But for English, we say James. Nonetheless, James 4, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures or passion translation says. And if you ask, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. So prayer prayed from selfish motives may not get God's ear. How many hear what I just said? Now, here's the issue. If I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, if I'm walking with the Lord, seeking to do what's right, bottom line is, generally speaking, I'm not going to ask for something that is not His will. In fact, again, John 15, 7, if He abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will. When God's word gets in us, it guides us and directs us. And so, so in my personal life, uh, you know, it usually takes me more time to figure out what to pray personally. If I'm praying about things personally, before I pray the prayer of faith, I got to find out which direction to go. And so it takes a lot of seeking and Lord, what is, what are you saying to me? Which direction do I go? I don't pray immediately unless it's an absolute extreme emergency. Otherwise I wait a little while. Say, God, I'm thinking about this. What do you think about it? Now people that know me, if you think I make a, a decision just like that. No, 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 no. No, once I know, I know and then I act on it. But what you don't know is prior to the decision, Boy, I've been doing a lot of thinking and praying and seeking and, you know, internally investigating and talking to the Lord. Susan knows it seems like, isn't it true? It seems like I make snap decisions. What you don't know, man, I've been thinking, that thing's been rolling inside me a long time. Because I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out, God, is this, are you saying to do this? Is this right? So for me, prayer, the biggest struggle I have in prayer is finding out which way to go to pray. And then once I pray, I grab it like a dog grabs a bone. And some of them just won't let go. Have you noticed? And you do that with your prayer life. Again, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Put God first. And He'll, he'll show you the direction to go. Uh, I'm, I always think about Job. Job 42, 10. The Lord turned the captivity of Job. Job's whole... The, the, what happened in the book of Job happened about a year's time in Job's life. He lost everything. And then got it back when his attitude changed. The Lord turned the captivity of Job. How? When he took his eyes off of himself and put his eyes on others and prayed for his friends. So selfish motives in prayer. I, uh, back years ago, one of my mentors who uh, died in 2003, Kenneth Hagan, 
Um, I heard him say I was a very young man. I was, I was 18 or so. Um, but I heard him say I was listening to a cassette tape that dates that, that was in the 70s. And I was listening to a cassette tape. And I never forget the first time I heard this. It made an indelible print on me. And it affected the way I pray. He said, never put yourself first in prayer. Put others first and pray for yourself last. And then he said, don't pray for, if you're praying as a church and got a church prayer, don't pray for your church first. Pray for your church last. Because when you put others first, God will bless you. Now, y'all, I followed that my whole life. And in my personal prayer life, if you could hear me and you won't, I, I just talk to the Lord about all kinds of things. But the very last, I say, now, Lord, here's some things from me. And talk to him about me in our church. You know, I lead our prayer meetings on Saturdays at 9. We pray for the whole world. I mean, we pray, man. We let the Holy Spirit direct us in prayer. We just pray. But very end, say, now, let's pray for victory, church. There's rhyme and reason to that. You put yourself first, you always lose. Is that true? So there's selfish motives in prayer that we need to be aware of. And when we're praying the will of God, we're always open to His ear. You know, let me, on this note, I'll end with this number one by saying this. Uh, 2013, oh, about 2009 or 10, we were in a building we built on Aversboro Road in Garner, and we had been looking for land for years. I mean, we outgrew, went to two services, outgrew our building, didn't have any more room to grow there, and we're going to sell the building. We're looking for land. And we, I had my eyes on a piece of property. You've heard me say this many times on Highway 70. And I would go by there every day and say, Lord, that's the building I want. We actually talked to the owners of the building, uh, the family that owned it. We walked through the property, and it's about 10 acres uh, somewhere else in Highway 70 there. And, uh, you know, I just said, Lord, I'd like to have that. I didn't have a word from heaven, but I didn't hear a no. We needed to do something. And we had looked at probably over 20 pieces of property and, you know, saw that and said, Lord, that looks like something that will work for us. We've got to upfit, spend some money, but here we go. So I asked the Lord for it. And he didn't say no. And we and so we went a few years. We had a building fund and all that. And then, and then 2013, it turned uh, from 2012 to 2013, January that year. I was going by that building. You've heard me tell the story. And just as I was going by, I heard right here. I heard him inside. Now, you know, you, you've asked me for that building. Yeah, yeah. But if you'll let me, I'll give you something better. How many know you need to be pliable? Be willing to do what God says, right? So sometimes in your prayer life, God will let you pray for things. God will let you believe for things. And sometimes he'll let you have things. And he hasn't said yes or no. And it's according to the word and all that. But then the specific, sometimes, 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 he'll just like he with me, he said, are you willing to let that go? I said, yes, sir. Because Father knows best, right? So selfish motives in prayer, and here we are. We're in this property. He said, I'll give you something better, and I think this is better than what we would have gotten. I could tell you all kinds of stories about it. Second hindrance to answer, uh, or hindrance to answered prayer, or seven, uh, second thing that causes unanswered prayer, sin. You don't hear a lot of, of preaching about sin today, but how many know as believers we need to deal with sin? And uh, it's contraband, something we shouldn't allow in life. I like what uh, God said through the prophet Isaiah because he's talking about the lifestyle of believers in the Old Testament and it directly affects how we live today. Listen to this. Isaiah 59, 1 through 4. This is New Living Translation. Listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor his, is his ear too deaf to hear your call. 
Then he, he identified the problem. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Wow. Because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. So what's that saying to me as a believer? New Testament era, if I allow sin, unconfessed, undealt with in my life, it cuts me off from fellowship with God and will hinder answered prayer. How many hear me? So we all need to deal ruthlessly with sin in our own lives. We need to be merciful towards others and ruthless with ourselves. How many hear me? True. So he went on to say your hand. And then he talked about, see, their lifestyle. It's not just saying something in church and then going and living the same way the rest of the week. He, he said, no, no, you, it's the way you're living that is hindering you. He says this, verse 3 of Isaiah 59, your hands are hands of murderers and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies. Your, your mouth spews corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. That's a religious person who comes to church on Sunday, but the church has never got inside of them. The Holy Spirit's never tagged them, and their lifestyle's never changed. So what's that saying to me? If I say I'm a believer, but my lifestyle has never changed, I'm probably not a believer. How many hear me? See, that's a challenge today. Because in today's ministry, particularly in America over the last few years, it's like do anything I want to do, live any way I want to live, God's grace and mercy will cover me. Friends, we are responsible before God to hear Him, obey His Word, and obey the leadings of the Holy Spirit. How many hear me? And if we don't, that's called sin. He that, he that knows to do good and do, does not do it, to him it's sin. Right? The Greek word for sin, harmatia, it's really an archer's term for a guy who's shooting an arrow. He's got, he's got the bullseye way down the range and he, he pulls his arrow, he pulls his bow and shoots the arrow and it just doesn't quite make the mark and it hits the ground in front of the bullseye, in front of the target. That's, that's sin. I just don't quite do it good. I, I'm wrong. I've done it wrong. I haven't hit the mark. Sin is missing the mark. So I have to ask myself in my personal life, in what ways have I missed the mark? How many hear me? And all of us have in one way or the other. And he's saying here to Isaiah, make sure lip and life agree. If I say I'm a believer, act like I'm a believer. If I don't act like a believer, I need to repent. And let me say this, we need to keep, we need to keep short accounts with God concerning sin in our life. Psalm 66, 18, I read this as a young man. And y'all, it really, really convicted me. And Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That is, if there's something I like and God doesn't like it, and He says don't do it, and I do it anyway. He says, that's sin. And I've got to be real about that. And you know, I can be honest and say there have been times in my life there's things that I've wanted to do, and they're just wrong. And I had to say, God, you're right, I'm wrong, root that out of me. How many know all of us need to do that? Particularly in our culture today where everything goes and anything's right and whatever you want to do is okay because God's love and mercy covers you. Well, God's love and mercy cleanses us, but it also empowers us to live right. Yes or no? 
You don't just stop with verse 18, however. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, the psalmist said, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So the good news that you have there is, even if you do mess up, you confess up, get right with God, confess your sin. And we're told specifically how to do this. Um, um, 1 John 1 uh, 8 through uh, chapter 2. I love, I just, I've recently gotten the Passion Translation. I've read it quite a bit and have found it adheres to the uh, original Greek language and the meanings there very well. He said this, 1 John 1, 8, If we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. Then he says, But if we freely admit our sins, when His light uncovers them. How many know we're all at different levels of growth spiritually? There would be things that may be sin for me that not, might not be sin for you and vice versa. It's according to our knowledge level. Once, once you gain light, you're responsible for what you know. Once truth comes, I'm responsible to obey truth. Yes or no? And it's not this lawful thing. It's my heart wanting to walk with God. It's my heart wanting to do what's right. But once light comes, I'm responsible for the light that Jesus gives me. And then I can't judge other people if they're not walking the way I do because maybe they don't have the light that I have. Now, how many know we need to be really careful when people first come to the Lord, particularly, did you clean up overnight? No, you didn't. And you know you didn't. Right? Yeah, you know, you rascal, you know. I was the same way. I mean, you know, I first come to the Lord. I just tried to go my merry way doing the things I, and I would come upon something that I had a habit. And he said, stop. Watch your words. Watch your attitude. Watch your mannerisms. Watch this. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? Holy Spirit comes in. And when he comes in, how many know he cleans up? And how does he clean us up? First of all, you got to acknowledge when God says it's wrong, when his word says it's wrong, first thing you do is say, I'm wrong. Throw your hands up, I'm wrong. What does he do? And here's what he says he does. Look at this. Verse 9, if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. Isn't that good? See, I like the way he put it. When his light uncovers and we confess, he forgives us. See, that's the great news. And it says uh, he, will be faith, uh, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us. Uh, our sins because of Christ, and He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we claim that we're not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with His light, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. And then chapter 2, I love this. You are my dear children, John said. And I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face to face with the Father. That means He's our attorney. He's our advocate. He's in between us and the Father. And He's saying, Father, I shed my blood for them. Father, I took their sins on the cross. I bore in myself what they did wrong. Forgive them because of my sacrifice. Every time you do wrong and you go before the Father, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And every time you say, Lord, I confess I did so and so, Jesus said, you know, He's your advocate. He's standing right there before the Father and says, Father, I'm standing on their behalf. I, I know what they did. And I took that sin on my body on the tree, on the cross. I did it for them. I became that. Forgive them because of my sacrifice. And God says, I will. Isn't that awesome? That makes me want to jump and dance and shout. Man, 
But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not ours, uh, not uh, only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, so, so see, all of us, we deal with sin immediately. Don't wait to deal with your sin. I had this uh, man who was going to a Bible school. I was... Uh, um, I just come to the Lord. I hadn't known the Lord long. I was working in a grocery store and I was in the back room getting some of the materials to put on the shelf and stuff, putting them on my cart, you know, and he was back there. <clears throat> and he, you know, I just recently come to the Lord. So he asked me a question. He says, what determines how spiritual you are? I said, well, I thought, well, this must be a setup. I don't have any idea. I just came to the Lord, you know. He said, your spirituality is determined by, here's what he said. This was his theology. Whether it's right or wrong, this is what he said, but I remembered. He said, your spirituality is determined by how quickly you acknowledge your sin when you do wrong and repent. I thought, mm, that's good. And you know, that was way back in 1976 when he said that. I have never forgotten that, ever. And you know what? I, I'll, I'll see that man one day in heaven. His name's Jimmy. I say, Jimmy, thank you for saying that to me. You changed my life as a young man. I was 18 years old when you said that. And you prodded me towards God so that when I know I'm wrong, I don't wait. I do it right then. And you know what I found out? His blood forgives and cleanses. And the peace is returned when you confess your sin to the Lord. In fact, 1 John 3, 20, listen to this. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Sometimes it's hard to receive from God. It's hard to walk with God if you're, if you're walking under a cloud of condemnation and inferiority. So if I know I'm doing something that I should not do, the best thing I can do is confess that to the Lord and ask Him to help me to overcome the propensity to go back there and do it again. How many hear me? And see, if I do that, it forgive, He forgives me, He cleanses me. And see, what does that do? It cleanses my conscience. Because the number one problem with prayer is, is inferiority towards God. If you know you've been doing something wrong and you know that God is holy, and inside of us we know He is. But if we know we're doing something wrong that's displeasing Him and we're continuing in that, it's hard to go to God with confidence, is it not? You can't have confidence toward God when there's condemnation and there's inferiority. And that's, and that's where forgiveness comes in. That's where confession comes in. If I know I do something wrong, own it. My daddy always taught me as a little boy, son, if you're wrong, tell, own it. Say you did it. That's better than hiding it. Because if you hide something, some way or another, it's always going to be found out. And if you let it hide, it's going to be a whole lot worse than if you admit it right then. So... I'm 16 years old smoking pot. And I'm in the car with my daddy. He says, number one, Mitch, you smoking cigarettes, son? Oh, my. I said, Jesus, I'm going to die today. Because I wasn't a believer yet. I said, yes, sir. Man, his jaw seized up. Mitch, I said, oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. I was sitting in the front seat. He's a big man, you know. Mitch, you smoking pot, son? <laughs> today is my death day. Mark the date. Be on my tombstone, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was waiting on him to backhand me. I just looked at his jaw. 
out the corner of my eye. His jaw set. Oh, man. He never said another word. He never said another word at church. I sat right beside him in prayer meeting on Wednesday night in Mizpah Baptist Church. Got home. He didn't say a word to me. Whoo-wee. You know what it taught me? Be honest. I thought he was going to hit me. He didn't. He came to my bedroom that night. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do anything. You know what he did? He sat on the edge of my bed. Mitch, he looked down at me. I was about to turn my light off and go to sleep. Mitch, you disappoint me. I thought inside, beat me. Just beat me with something. Beat me. Because those words, I couldn't get away from them. See, my dad taught me, be honest, son. Don't lie. And you know, if you'll be honest with God, you know what? He'll be faithful to you. How many know he'll be just to you? He'll forgive your sin. And I learned this as a young believer. When you confess your sin, it's just as though to God that you never committed it. Is that good? Isaiah 40, I'm about done. I'll I'll wait for number three next week. Isaiah 43, 25, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake, your misdeeds, your misgivings, and will not remember your sins. Now that's a miracle. Did you hear me? There's people in the room and people watching, man, you're you're just upset with yourself because you've done the same thing a hundred times. And the hundredth time you said, oh God, how stupid am I? Forgive me. And you think he's holding it over your head. He says if you confess it, he'll forgive you. And act towards you like you never did it. How many hear me? 1989, I started a church in a small town in South Carolina. I was a young man. I was 30 years old. I don't even remember what I did. But publicly in front of my church, I don't know what I said, but it was... Dumb as dirt. (laughs) It upset me when I said it. I mean, I felt low. That's all I can say. I mean, I left there, you know, and said, God, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. And I was, I barely ached about it. You know what I mean? Just several days. Lord, I'm just so stupid. I'm just, I'm just dumb. I'm dumb as dirt. I'm just stupid. You know, if you call yourself names, you need to stop doing that. I used to call myself names. You dummy. You blankety-blank, whatever, you know. I was doing that one day and said, God, you know what he said to me? Hush. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're talking about somebody I love. (laughs) Okay. You're talking bad about yourself. You're talking about somebody God created to love. You. You need to stop. He stopped me in my tracks. Okay. Well, I was belly aching. And and, and the Lord said, what's wrong with you? I said, well, you know what I did Sunday? Everybody saw it. It's one thing to sin and nobody sees it. But when everybody sees it, well, you feel like a heel, right? God, what do I do? And you know what he said? I heard inside, what you talking about? I said, well, you know what I said Sunday? He said, what'd you say? Well, I I went over it again. Well, I did this. I said that, that. That's so, so stupid. He said, Mitch, when did you do that? I said, this past Sunday. Weren't you there? And I finally got it. I don't remember. I wept. 
I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I cried. I sat there up there and just cried. And I said, God, you forgave me. He said, yes. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's an incalculable distance. You go, you go east, you'll all infinitum, you'll go east. This is the way it works. There's some people in the room, there's some people watching. You're holding yourself under condemnation and inferiority because of something you did a long time ago. And it's colored your life. And it's kept you away from the Lord. And that's what the enemy wants to do. I'm trying to stop, but I keep being compelled here. The enemy will drive you in the dirt. Satan's called the accuser of the brethren. That's a court term when it says the accuser. Remember what he did? You don't deserve to forgive him or her. Remember, see what they did? Remember what they did? You have to, you got to do something about this. Uh-uh. God says, I forget. There's people in the room, you need to forget what God forgave and need to let yourself off the hook. Furthermore, let me say this. You know, if you've got entrenched problems, you got a trap you fall into over and over again and the enemy sets a trap for you. And you keep doing the same thing over and over and over. You know, say, well, there's no reason to go back to God. He already knows I'm stupid. There's no reason to go over and do it again. I mean, my Lord. No, the way you get over that is acknowledge it every single time. you If you mess up, fess up right then. Don't stop. Wait, just do it right then. You will say, what if you do it again? Go back over the same process. Didn't, Didn't Peter ask Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? No, Jesus said not seven times. Seventy times seven, that's one day. Would God do the same thing He asked us to do? Yes or no? So will God forgive your past? Will He act towards you as if you've never done wrong? See, that's, that's the confidence that brings answered prayer right there. We have confidence with God. Isn't that good? Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. If a heart does not condemn us, we have confidence. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments. And do those things pleasing in this sight. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That means when you mess up, you confess your sin. God says, I'll be faithful, I'll be just, I'll forgive you. Isn't that good? See, here's what I feel. There's people in the room, boy, you're just so hindered. Because you know you've been and then the enemy's just, and he's just ground you in the dirt with what you've done. I don't care what it is. Might be something last night, yesterday, last week. Might be three months ago, six years ago. You gotta let it 